Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In most episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Visit our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. The Law Enforcement Today show brought to you in part by Galls, G-A-L-L-S.com. Again, their website is G-A-L-L-S.com. They've been supplying first responders, police officers, law enforcement, public safety, firefighters for more than 50 years. And they got a huge selection of products that anybody can use from outerwear, boots, clothing, you name it. They got it at Gulls.com. And we here at Law Enforcement Today have lots of great contests. We've got prize giveaways from Gulls. Get more details on our Facebook page. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Click like when you get there. And also on our website as well, lawenforcementtoday.com. And when you have a chance, check out Galls at galls.com, G-A-L-L-S.com on Facebook and Instagram as well. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today show. I'm John J. Wiley. Your show today brought to you in part by the good folks at Galls, G-A-L-L-S.com. Taking care of first responders. Their online catalog is incredible. Their customer service, second to none. They got everything you could ever want at Galls.com. Joining us on the phone, kind of an interesting geographical story here. We got Sean who's joining us from, I believe, Colorado, but you are formerly from Texas. Am I correct? You are absolutely correct, brother. Thank you for having me again. My law enforcement career uh, was in Texas, Corpus Christi to be exact. And I am now currently living in Colorado Springs, Colorado. After I medically retired from the force, we moved up here. Okay. And I was going to ask you if you were retired, but so you're medically retired. How long were you uh, in a police department in Corpus Christi, Texas? I was an officer for eight years, but I had been with the city of Corpus Christi since I moved up there in 2002. So overall time that I was actually with the city uh, was right about 14 years. Okay. And you medically retired about how long ago? I medically retired in 2015. All right. First of all, and this is something I always say, I appreciate when people tell me thank me, thank they thank me for my service, but as law enforcement officers, I don't think we thank each other enough. So I want to say this right now. Thank you for your service, brother. Appreciate it. And thank I know you. the job has taken a toll on you. It, it, takes a toll on everybody some degree and others some more than others and exactly. you're definitely in the category of it's taking a severe toll can you give us before we get the details of where you're at now give us some an overview of your career in law enforcement it started in uh in 2008 it started off great what i was told what was preached in the academy was something that i that i needed that i wanted to hear going into a career like this and it was the, the preaching of we will be there for you, that no matter what happens to you, as long as you do this job with integrity and honesty, we will be there for you. We have your back. If, some God forbid, something happens to you, we're there for your family. And I loved hearing that. You know, I had some incidences, basically, right when I got out of the academy, my mother uh, passed away, and then I was in the middle of a divorce 
and the department was there. You know, they helped fly my brother down for my mom's funeral. Uh, the POA made sure that flowers were sent to my mom's funeral. I mean, a lot of things that they preached, they were doing. So I, I was high on my department, on the people that I worked with, and I still think the people I worked with and the department overall was second to none. I, I love the people I worked with. And I, and I agree. But, but the difference is the people I work with oftentimes is not the same experience as the city government. They're two totally exactly. different things. And people need to understand that the, the, the men and women I worked with will be blood forever. And they were with me every way they could be. The city, on the other hand, that's a totally different story. And I think if I'm not jumping the gun, that was kind of your experience. It was absolutely my experience. Uh, the city is run like a business, and the higher up an echelon you get with your department, the more of a politician, the more, I don't want to say pandering, but the more glad-handing those people have to do with the city government to maintain whatever it is that they have going on. So it seemed like the higher up you got in rank with the department, the more of a bureaucrat politician. Absolutely. The employee you became as opposed to I'm a cop and I'm here for cops. And the city didn't care what you did. They didn't care about us. The city is a business and they run every aspect of the city as a business. I'm a number. I have a price tag. I have all of these things that they look at before they even look at me. And That was the sad thing. I I had a taste of it because I was a city employee before I was a police officer, but you expect those kind of things in a job that's not high risk. You expect to kind of, well, is is the injury really that bad? You know, can you function doing your job coming back? Well, as a police officer, every one of those injuries that I had, and I had 33 of them, if I'm not mistaken, the, the correct number throughout my time, 33 documented injuries, each one of them took a little bit away from me, and each one of them were treated as a either an investment or a loss for the city. So, uh, it's, and, it, know, and it are, comes are down to the, them for, for numbers and cents, and that uh, the sad truth is for uh, cities and states and local municipalities, uh, even the federal government law enforcement agencies to some degree or another, it, you are a number. And right. you are expendable, and it's about dollars and cents. How much is it costing us to keep you? How much will we save if we retire you? And yep. they really don't care beyond that. No, they don't. And that was the sad part that I started to realize over the the longer amount of time that I was in there, the more severe some of these injuries were becoming, the higher, basically how my body was reacting to some of these. I'm getting older. The injuries are getting worse. They're injuring other parts of my body that were injured before, making it worse. I always got this letter from the city, and I thought it was such a joke. I even had it framed for a while. And we would like to sit down with you and the risk management team, set up an appointment with you to see what we can do as a city and as a police department to make this job safer for you and others in this field. That sounds good on paper, but did anything ever happen? No, I never got an appointment, never got a call from, I even called risk management myself and said, hey, I got this letter. When can we set up a time? I called seven times, never got, an, never got a meeting. Seven times. 
and I'm, I'm not surprised. And people that, that worked in law enforcement, whether it be California, Oregon, Washington, D.C., or my case, Baltimore, South Florida, uh, I'm sure we can hear countless stories like this. We're going to take a short break. We're going to turn our conversation with Sean Smotherman. We're going to talk about some of the injuries he sustained, what it did to him, how they occurred, and where he's at now. But first, we're going to take a break and check out our sponsors. You're listening to Law Enforcement Today. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is June 15th through 17th at beautiful Lake George, New York. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is a perfect relaxing getaway for law enforcement officers, active, retired, and their families. Get more information about events and activities online at leoweekend.com. Enter the code LET18 at checkout for special discounts. That's LET18 at checkout on leoweekend.com. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Gauls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Gauls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Gauls.com today. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-569-2507. That's 800-569-2507. Again, 800-569-2507. If you are current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military, and are considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave. Honor the Brave is a nationwide real estate program that allows these families to keep more of their hard-earned money. 10% of the agent's commission goes back to you. Additionally, they donate 5% of the commission to the nonprofit of your choice. Current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military, considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave online at honorthebrave.com. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. 
That's 800-948-6817. I'm probably okay to have one more drink before I drive home. I'm probably okay. I open the window to stay alert. Probably okay. I just popped some gum in my mouth. Step out of the car, please. I probably made a mistake. Probably okay isn't okay when it comes to drinking and driving. If you see a warning sign, stop and call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today show. Joining us from Colorado, Sean Smotherman, a retired police officer, retired from Corpus Christi Police Department in Texas. And uh, Sean... You know, I've got countless injuries, too, and uh, I, I don't think that's unique to us and just in law enforcement. Right. You know, all my friends that I know my age, and I'm in my late 50s, are like, you know, I got this, and I got that, and I got football injuries, I got knee injuries. You know, right. I, had, I had shoulder surgery about four years ago as a result of an incident. I got hit by a car, a, oh. a minor accident as I was getting out of my police car many years ago, but it was major surgery. And, right. you know, we, we pay a price. We pay a price physically. We pay a price emotionally. We pay a price to our mental health as well. And the average life expectancy from what I've seen of, of police officers in the United States is like 59, where the yep. average expectancy of men in America is 78. Yes, sir. And it's because of the rigors of this job. Explain some of the injuries. You know, you, you're injured 33 times. I'm sure some of them minor and some of them yes, serious. Go down the serious ones. Uh, the serious ones seem to most of the time be linked to my head. Um, I had several concussions. A lot of my injuries came from car accidents. I got cracked over the head with a baseball bat by the victim of a domestic assault. I, and, and that right there is not uncommon to get attacked by the victim. You and I both no, know that. People don't realize it happens all the time. You tell, you tell a, a civilian that, you know, I was cracked over the head by the lady that was being choked to death on a stairwell. And people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happens. And you tell another cop and they're like, been there, done that. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and it's sad that, you know, that we know those things. Citizens don't. I, I tell people all the time, if you want to know why cops are the way they are, talk to a cop. Go on a ride along. Go on several ride alongs. Invest yourself in that that you're protesting and see what it is, because the view that you have of us is a twisted, demented view of what you see on tv right and And we're shaping our opinions about people we don't know doing a job Mm -hmm. that we don't understand based solely off the information provided by someone else that we don't know who has a motive exactly which is to get more listeners or readers or viewers and uh that that in itself is just flat out ridiculous yes sir well some of my injuries uh i've torn ligaments in both knees uh hyperextended them trying to push cars out of the road and foot pursuits, and I land wrong, uh, dislocated my shoulder, uh, broke a bone in my wrist. I also have a cyst in my wrist now that sits on a nerve. cyst gets inflamed, and it sits on that nerve, so I can barely open my hand sometimes, and then sometimes it shakes uncontrollably. Yeah. I have the TBI injuries, the brain-related injuries. That's traumatic so brain injury. And people um, only okay. seem to think that occurs with combat veterans. You, you know... I have a lot of, I was never in the military, so I can't speak firsthand on what the military guys go through. 
Um, obviously, in my academy, and I think in every police department or academy that's out there, you get a lot of military folks because that's a natural transfer from getting out of the military into something like law enforcement. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I found out from a lot of these guys is that, you know, the firefights or stuff that they were in was not continuous. Uh, not, not to say that it wasn't severe or extreme or that they didn't lose friends or anything, and I'm not trying to minimize that, but my best friend, I grew up with him here in Colorado. He, he served honorably as a Marine, did four tours to an Iraq and to an Afghanistan, and he and I sit around, you know, just kind of shooting the breeze and throwing back some beers, and we talk. And what I found out from him was that his combat experience wasn't unlike mine, but it was for a lot shorter duration. And the amount of time I was exposed to what I was exposed to and the severity of it was stuff that he hadn't, he hadn't seen himself. And he had all four of his tours were combat tours. He wasn't back at the base fixing radios. He was fighting every day that he was over there. And his combat tour time was four years total. But people people in America think that it's, a natural fit for them say okay it's violence over there and they're going to encounter violence and for some reason they turn a blind eye to the the violence the the trauma uh the the accidents the violent crime that happens in our own communities all the time i hear that from everybody well what do you think you're going to war i went to war every night of my life for eight years straight It, it was war the fact is the numbers are there from the DOJ, from the FBI statistics. More officers have been killed in the line of duty than soldiers killed in both Iraq and Afghanistan since the war started. So when people say, what do you think you're going to war? We did go to war. Every single one of us who puts on that uniform, puts on that shield, and goes out every night, we are going to war. We don't know if we're coming back. The rules of engagement are a lot different because we're not fighting people that are just carrying around an AK-47, and we can see them. We, we have people stashing things on us, hiding things from us, shooting at us from inside a jacket pocket. We can't see. And there's so many variables that we have to deal with. And, and you can see that in, in officers who were military and combat vets who were being terminated for not doing, quote unquote, the right thing, who are being prosecuted for excessive use of force. And these are combat veterans who served in combat units they come back to do police work, and you're telling me that they can't do that properly? That, well, that you're going from doesn't translate over into police work. You're, you're going from uh, proactive use of force with rules of engagement to reactive use of force with rules of engagement, it. and and it's a different thing altogether. And like you, I'm not a combat veteran. I'm not a military veteran, um, right. and I serve with a lot that did both. And they'll they'll yes, tell sir. you they to a man or woman they tell you it's different. Um, yes, so. Sir. Car accidents is one of the number one killers of police across the United yes, States. Uh, I think second only to heart disease, but uh, you know I'm, I'm not an expert in that. And I was in my fair share of accidents. You had how many really serious accidents that resulted in uh, concussions and traumatic brain injury? I had three that uh, I had pretty good brain injury from uh, back and shoulder and neck injuries uh, that I was involved with. The last one, and it's funny, I didn't think it was that bad at the time. It it was minor compared to the other two. But the effects of what I felt immediately were so much worse than the other two. It was 
it, it was like the worst injury I had sustained, but it wasn't the worst accident I was in. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand that until I went to a good brain doctor and it took me a year and a half to actually see one, a good neurologist to explain to me what was going on with me and why it was so much different. And, and the cumulative effects of repeated injuries. That's it. She said, you know, you've had so many concussions over your entire career, not just in law enforcement, but the worst ones I've been in law enforcement. And after so many accidents, the amount of fluid around my brain is not adequate to sustain the movement that my brain needs, the damage that it's already sustained. It doesn't heal. So if it gets re-injured, it's a compounding factor. Now it's doubly worse as opposed to as you know, you sprained your arm and then you sprained it again, you're just suffering the sprain. Well, I'm suffering basically two injuries to the same spot, and it's getting worse and worse every single time. Is that what your retirement was based off, your medical retirement? It, it was three factors. Uh, one of them was PTSD, which I was diagnosed with in 2011 um, after one of my, after the probably the worst accident that I had, and I didn't even think about the word PTSD while I was a cop at the time, you know, I was diagnosed with it and whatever. But as time went on, I kind of understood a lot more of what it was and it got progressively worse as well. But the the brain injuries and the physical stuff is actually what I retired medically from because in Texas, PTSD is not an accepted injury. Right. And that's something else that people don't understand. Most states in this country do not accept PTSD as a as an injury. So even though you're diagnosed with it, even though you need treatment for it to continue to do your job, you have to pay for it yourself because workers' comp will not accept it. They won't pay for it. The state doesn't make them pay for it. You're SOL. You're on your own if you have PTSD and you're a cop in most most cases. And there's help out there. And there's also uh, the recovery process from PTSD is lengthy. And it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of therapy a lot of visits with uh psychiatrists psychologists i term it a brain injury i don't like the term mental illness when it comes to that i i, I look at the same category as your tbi uh, yes. not same category but similar that uh yes, when you break your arm you you have it set you get a cast maybe you have surgery and they put some screws in no one expects your your arm the right. bone there to be the same as it was before the injury yet with the injury to the brain from post-traumatic stress, people want to view that as some sort of uh, life sentence and that life never gets better. Right. And and for, for many, many folks, it does. And one of the conversations we'd never hear enough of is that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Because right now, as you and I are talking, there are officers out there, there are military veterans out there that are, are thinking of ending it all because they just can't stand the the suffering anymore and what goes with it what goes with it is oftentimes depression what goes with it oftentimes is substance abuse what goes with it oftentimes is isolation from your family members and friends and a feeling of of being totally alone and, and not having access to that sense of community that we once had so we're going to take a break this is a conversation that you and i and america needs to have we're talking with sean smotherman retired corpus christi police officer uh, medically retired. We're talking about PTSD. We're talking about uh, closed brain injury, uh, TBI, and many other things that go along with that. We're going to talk about uh, recovery 
what life is like now with it. But first, we take a short break. You are listening to Law Enforcement Today. We'll be right back. If you are current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military and are considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave. Honor the Brave is a nationwide real estate program that allows these families to keep more of their hard-earned money. 10% of the agent's commission goes back to you. Additionally, they donate 5% of the commission to the nonprofit of your choice. Current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military, considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave online at honorthebrave.com. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is June 15th through 17th at beautiful Lake George, New York. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is a perfect relaxing getaway for law enforcement officers, active, retired, and their families. Get more information about events and activities online at leoweekend.com. Enter the code LET18 at checkout for special discounts. That's LET18 at checkout on leoweekend.com. Back in the studios, this is Law Enforcement Today radio show. Joining us from Colorado, Sean Smotherman, retired Corpus Christi police officer. Uh, Sean, first of all, I I appreciate you taking time to come on and talk about these things. They're not comfortable. It's not easy to talk about, but people need to hear these things. As I was saying before the break, right now, as you and I are speaking, there's an officer, active, retired, a military member or veteran that's suffering with PTSD, TBI, maybe some uh, closed head injuries, and everything goes with that, and they're thinking of ending it. For that yes, person, sir. I want them to know it gets better. It, 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 it does. It gets better. It's a fight, but I don't think anything in this world comes easy. If it was easy, everybody would have everything. There, it, it is a struggle. And with what I went through, I had the barrel of a gun in my mouth. I was ready to end it myself. Um, Why? um, At the time, I literally felt abandoned by uh, my department. Even some of the guys that I considered very, very close friends. When things started to go bad, when I got hurt, uh, the department was gunning for me on on an IA issue. And... It, it just seems like all the walls were closing in on me. And before my wife had to go through that indignity and before my family had to go through that indignity, I just wanted to take myself out of it. And it's, it's a really selfish, it, it's really selfish to think that way. Um, but we look for short term answers and, you know, we all know that death is not a short term answer. It's long term for everybody that's left behind. It's on, it's short term for the person who takes their own life because their last few seconds on earth, they don't remember. It's very short term for them, but everybody that's left behind gets left holding the baggage of why did you do it? Why would you leave us? All, all of these other things. And it, it's a very selfish mentality. And the only way I had to stop drinking, I had to 
completely change my entire outlook on things. I had to cut loose friends that I thought were friends and, and just let it go and say, obviously, they're not, they weren't the friend that I thought they were, even though they called they called themselves my brother or my sister. I just had to let it go because if they truly were, they'd be there for me. And, and Nick, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I really understand the isolation and the, the aloneness and feeling apart. I do. Right. And uh, I, I'm not looking down on you, and I'm certainly not condoning it either. Uh, I'm saying it's yeah. understandable what goes through that. I also struggled with that feeling of abandonment from brothers and sisters that I worked with. And right. then it took a long time. It took a really long time for me to, to come to a realization that they did the best they could. It, the, right. the, you know, I've often said, I remember line of duty funerals we went to. Yes, sir. And I knew the protocols, what we're supposed to do. But I had no idea what to say. And these were, these were spouses of people that I loved. And I had no inkling of what to say or what to do. So what did we do? We did nothing. <laughs> Right, and, and it's, it's, the, I think it's all fear-based, to be honest with you, because like I, I don't understand it, and it's, uh, it's not happening to me, and I, I, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. So if I just ignore it, it goes away. And and that's the thing. I, I don't hold a grudge to anybody who I feel like wasn't there for me. Um, and, and part of the reason is, like you said, a lot of times as cops, we can handle situations in the cop world because we can separate we can separate ourselves from it. This isn't personal. This is not happening to me. This is how I can function through it. When it does touch you close, when it is someone that you care about, and you don't know what to do to help them, you don't have the answer to solve their problem, what do you do? Well, the only thing cops do is they pull themselves away. They separate from whatever it is, so they're not so invested in it because they don't have an answer for it. And it's it's definitely not, I, I don't think it's the right thing to do, but as cops, I was told once by a detective that I actually admired that I needed to care less. Part of the reason that I was being eaten up inside as a police officer was because I cared too much. And I struggled with that because I think as cops, good cops care. Cops that don't care shouldn't be cops. That's my personal opinion of it, and that's just how I'm wired. But I struggled with that a lot because I felt like the only way for me to do the job correctly was by investing all of myself in every single thing I did. You knew what you got with me. There was nothing hidden. My emotions were on my sleeve, but you knew exactly what you got with me. And to be told that by somebody that I admired that I need to care less, how do I do that? That's easier said than done, too. I hear people say, you know, you compartmentalize things and uh, you develop this outer, and to some degree, we all develop uh, a thick outer shell dealing with the violence and seeing all the death all the time you kind of had to when we developed a dark sense of humor a lot of times. Oh, yeah. But one of the things that I've taken to doing nowadays, um, I'll give you an example. I was talking with a guy I went to the academy with, his son, who's a police officer, was killed in line right. of duty. And even many years afterwards, I say, you know, I'm, I'm just here. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But I'm your friend, and I'm your brother, and I'm just going to be here. And we can talk about shooting pool, or we can talk about how you're doing after the death of your son. It, it's up to you. But I, since I don't know what to do, I'm just going to be me. That's all I can do. And I think that's great for officers, especially if they know somebody going through something. Just make yourself available. My my 
issue was with people who said that they would be there, and then when I called, never answered the phone or ignored my text. Those are the ones that I, I just have a hard time struggling with. But as, as a friend, just make yourself available. You know these guys are going through stuff. You don't have to understand what it is they're going through. You don't have to have experienced it yourself. Just make yourself available and honor that availability. If you say, I'm here for you, and they call you, you need to make yourself available to them because they're calling you probably as a last resort. And it, it would it would be horrible if the last thing that you thought of that friend was they called me, I didn't answer, and then they wound up taking their own life. Just be exactly. available for these people. Great be available advice. for your brothers and sisters. You know, We would go through um, hell and high water, what we called a signal 13. Uh, I don't know what they called it in Texas, but that was an officer needs assistance, and you know, things are okay. really bad. You, you put your life on the line to get there, and some officers did die in response to those. So when someone's putting out signs or telling you that they're struggling we should treat it at least with the same attention as we did those signal 13s and the officer needs assistance because that's what it is. That's an officer being assaulted and someone taking his gun is no more dangerous or less dangerous than an officer with the barrel of his own gun in his mouth calling and, and reaching out to anybody and everybody who he believes loves him or her and not getting an answer. You don't not get a response when, when you're, we just called an emergency backup. I mean, we pressed our, the button on the radio and held it down, and it warbled out. Everybody knew we needed help, and they came, they came running. I couldn't understand the difference in when the uniform comes off, and like you said, you're throwing up those signs, and the same thing isn't happening. It, it, like I said, I think, honestly, what you hit on earlier, that – Cops don't really know what to do when it's their friend, when it's their family, when it's their loved one. I honestly think that that is the issue. But instead of pulling away from it, saying, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything, just be there. Get there and get to them as quick as you would if they called for emergency backup. Good advice. Get there as quick and be there for them just the same because that might save their life. All right, we're going to take a short break. We are talking with Sean Smotherman, retired Corpus Christi police officer. And we'll be talking more about PTSD, uh, traumatic brain injuries, all those things, recovery from them. And uh, it's a, a great conversation. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Law Enforcement Today. We'll be right back. If you are current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military and are considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave. Honor the Brave is a nationwide real estate program that allows these families to keep more of their hard-earned money. 10% of the agent's commission goes back to you. Additionally, they donate 5% of the commission to the nonprofit of your choice. Current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military, considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave online at honorthebrave.com. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. 
Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 3ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.the3ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 3ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is June 15th through 17th at beautiful Lake George, New York. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is a perfect relaxing getaway for law enforcement officers, active, retired, and their families. Get more information about events and activities online at leoweekend.com. Enter the code LET18 at checkout for special discounts. That's LET18 at checkout on leoweekend.com. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. We are back in the conversation with Sean Smotherman, retired Corpus Christi, Texas police officer. Sean, what is life like for you now? It definitely took some adjusting. I hate the fact that I'm not a cop anymore. I hate it more than anything, but I've transitioned and I found something that I'm good at that is not necessarily work because I am fully disabled now, but it's working with an organization called Officer Down We Survived, and it is, I'm, I'm an ambassador for the company for this area, and having that purpose of helping officers who are critically injured, of getting them support, being there to talk to them if nobody else is, making sure that they have somebody to go to, has made a world of difference. I think the biggest thing in that transition is finding a purpose. For for the first couple of years that I was out, there, there was no purpose. It was just making sure that we had money coming in, that the I was doing what I was supposed to do with the doctors, that I was filing the correct paperwork with workers' comp and fighting them and all the attorneys and all the legal stuff that goes on with it. And that's a nightmare. But you have to find you have to find a purpose outside of that. If that's your existence and that's your only existence, then you're right back where you started. You're you're in a bad place mentally and you have to find a purpose. If you know and you get out of law enforcement and you know that there was uh, a miscarriage of, of how officers were treated by their department. Go go out and help those people. You know, make yourself available to tell your story. Go out to these departments and say, hey, you know, things aren't done right. We need to change something. Get involved. I, I can't think of a better purpose now. I, I served those and I protected those who I didn't know before as a police officer. And now I serve and try and protect the best people I've ever known in my life who are cops. 
And that's how I met you was through the Facebook group, Officer Down, We Survived. Yes, sir. Tell us a, uh, a little bit about that organization. We uh, we started off, I, I'm an ambassador, as I said. Our The founder, his name is Pete Tanzili. He is a medically retired um, officer from the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. He now is going to be moving up to Denver in the next few days. Um, but he was shot and wounded trying to take down a uh, two car theft suspects. One of them bolted the other one, turned around and wanted to fight, shot him. And, uh, you know, he had to medically retire from the incident. And he started the group. And we basically met online just like you and I did. And it, it was funny how it happened because it was basically us going, you know, from these different videos you see on Facebook and people trashing officers and saying they have no idea what they're doing. They should have shot the suspect in his foot or whatever. And Pete and I are on these videos and we're commenting, you don't know what it's like to be an officer, go out and do this. And we're trying to educate these people. And we just kind of, we kind of clicked. And so we started talking about what happened to him and how workers comp and the city had, had more or less turned their back on him, gave him a horrible, despicable impairment rating, which is it's, if it wasn't so serious, it would be a laughable joke, just like mine. But he, he was absolutely just drugged through the mud by the city and the and, and everybody that said would be there for him, just like I felt like I was. And so we got together and started building up this group that is going to help. We're already getting on with police departments here in Colorado Springs and Denver area to uh, go and talk about changes that need to be made for workers' comp law in the legislature and a bunch of different things that are going to help officers out because th the thing is we know what's wrong as officers. just Nobody knows how to fix it. Right. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to partner with FOPs, POAs, police departments, their leadership. Anybody who knows that these things happen and don't quite know how to fix it, we can be a voice for those people who have been hurt, who are going through the same thing we are, and there's a lot of them. And we can get these laws changed so these guys are treated and, and taken care of when they sacrifice everything. I mean, dying, I always thought, was the worst thing that could happen to me as a police officer. That, that was the ultimate bad as a cop. You don't want to die in the line of duty. And when I got hurt, it was a sad realization that the... <laughs> Worst thing that can happen in the line of duty is not that you're killed in the line of duty because when you are, you're a hero. It's to be hurt and not be able to go back because you're forgotten. Right. You're nothing. And you're in not a lot of cases, our, our families are better taken care of financially if the officer's killed than if they're injured permanently. That's one thing that happened up here, and it, it was an absolute tragedy what happened. But I'm so glad that this department is the one that it happened to because they have such great leadership and are so willing to take care of their injured officers, even outside of the normal procedures, if need be. They're doing fundraisers for, there were four officers that were shot in almost the exact same thing that happened to our founder, uh, Pete Tanzili. They were going after a car theft suspect. He opened up on them uh, basically through his pocket hit one officer immediately. Uh, the second officer, uh, Micah Flick, um, just like a hero that he was, and like most officers are, 
jumped in front of the fire to take fire for his brothers behind him and was killed. And all three other officers were shot and injured. And, and the great thing was there was so much support for Micah and his family. And I love that. I love the fact that there was support for him and his family, but the three other officers that were hurt and wounded, it, it was like a, well, they're alive. They're good. Their family's fine. Let's focus on Micah. And that's not the case. When somebody gets hurt like that, there's no guarantee they're going back to work. They're on workers' comp right off the bat, which automatically pays you way less than what you were making for your normal amount. And we've been, we've talked to many guests who uh, their spouses wound up becoming full-time caretakers, had to leave their job. Exactly. It, and that, that happened to an officer in Houston. Um, he got, I, I think he got hit in the head. His wife had to quit her job. I mean, it, so many things they lost. He's still alive. But what you don't think is, you know, if, if he had been killed in the line of duty, his life insurance would have paid out. His wife would have been financially set. And that's a horrible way to look at things. But people who aren't in this business, people who don't know it, don't see it. And unless you talk about it, talk about these ugly issues, nobody knows. It is an ugly issue that an officer and his family are taking care of better when they die in the line of duty than they are when they're injured and can't return. That's horrible. It's, it's Why the truth. And uh, we've been become very close friends with a, a group out of Orlando called Wounded Officers Initiatives that are working very hard on doing the things that you're talking about doing with the legislature, providing peer support, also uh, honoring uh, wounded officers. Uh, so I would highly encourage you guys from uh, Officers Down We Survive to contact Wounded Officer Initiative. They're they're helping people all over the country doing what you were doing, you know, and and teaming yes, resources sir. so uh that's great we're getting short on time you said an agency right up there in that area is doing a great job what would you say in closing to agencies to say hey let's is there something they can do to become proactive to try to prevent some of this i think a lot of it is agencies need to acknowledge the fact that they're not perfect that they don't have the answer for everything, but when something like this happens, if they don't know how to handle it, they need themselves to reach out to agencies who have gone through it and do the right thing right off the bat. This is an area where you can't afford to make a mistake because it can cost a life. It's as dangerous as, as someone with a, you know, a hostage taker holding a hostage. It's a dangerous situation, and leaving these people alone and not taking care of them, not being proactive with it can cost a life. PTSD is something that officers have. Unfortunately, in the military, if a soldier has PTSD, they're pulled out, they're replaced, and that unit can move forward fully, full strength. That doesn't happen in police work. No, and, no and, and the Veterans Administration is at least a lot more proactive about treating PTSD than, than local police agencies, far more yes, active. They are. Yes, they are. And I know VA has its, has its flaws, but these agencies need to take a page from the book of how the government treats these issues and make sure that it is proactive. Because in my case, I actually brought my issues forward to my chain of command and it was ignored that I was struggling with PTSD, that I was struggling with blacking out. I was struggling with being aggressive or being overly emotional. I was struggling with all these things and nothing ever happened. I, I went and did what I was supposed to do, even at the risk of my career, because we don't have anything where you can get pulled out of off the street and work a, a desk for two or three years. If that's how long it takes you to get well, 
at my year mark, if I'm not good to go back to the streets, I get fired. You know, and that's that's a story we hear so often. And unfortunately, we are out of time. So uh, before I close, I want to say this on behalf of everyone here at Law Enforcement Today, please let everyone know in the officer down. We survived uh, Facebook group an organization that we're here to help. If they want to come tell their stories, uh, we would love to provide the platform for them, just like you did. Sean Smotherman, retired Corpus Christi police officer, uh, now residing in Colorado. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you so much for spending time with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate being on. Thank you again for having me. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Be sure to watch for our Law Enforcement Today talk show. Interviews with people from all over the planet available on our Facebook page. Uh, it's a really, really cool feature. We can have up to three guests there at a time. And so if you want to be a guest or you know someone to be a good guest, hey, have them contact us. Send me an email. That's jay at lawenforcementtoday.com. You can always go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, fill out the contact info, or just shoot me an email, or send us a message on the Messenger on Facebook. We will get back to you as soon as possible. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.